0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. And we are back with this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. Stone Payton Lee Cantor here with you. We're actually broadcasting live from Georgia State University at the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute Lee, this is sort of our home stretch, right? Last episode of the day. I think so. Man, a lot of weight on you guys. We have had three marvelous episodes. I wouldn't want to have to follow those acts, but I know you guys are up to it. Lee, I really do think this is going to be a fantastic segment. We've got three guests, two different companies that we're going to talk with. First up in this episode of GSU ENI Radio, we have with us founder and editor-in-chief with Quaint Revolt Media, Miss. Sasha Gay, Trustee, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? We are doing great. And Sasha
1: Gay, before we get too far into things, tell us about Quaint Revolt Media. How are you serving folks?
2: How am I serving folks? So I started this blog while I was in college to kind of explore myself, you know, covering art and fashion around the city and kind of bridging creatives here and in Jamaica, where I'm from. And it kind of spiraled and grew in grew into a publication. I realized I was running it as a as a magazine anyway, so might as well go full force. So what we offer is a platform, a multicultural platform for creatives to express themselves who are coming out of um, fashion, uh, contemporary art, music, and film.
1: And then, so you said it started as a blog, but it's now kind of morphed into an actual printed magazine?
2: Well, we are working on um, segueing into print, but we're building our online base right now. So we're focusing on just bringing more people into the fold, building that brand awareness and letting people know that we're here. Um, uh, As you probably know, print is very hard to accomplish when you're a startup and it's very costly. So for me, it's just about building that demand and being able to monetize it through what the people want. they're ready for it.
1: And then right now in its blog form,
2: is it user
1: generated content? Or is this something that you're um, actually creating the content yourself or your team?
2: Oh yeah, we're we're creating content in-house. So um, since I graduated in May, I have assembled a small team. So we have a few editors, a photographer, videographer, um, and we just kind of hit the ground running doing everything ourselves, covering Afropunk festivals, covering um, concerts and uh, art shows and um, openings, all that good stuff. So we're actually assigning people out and giving them opportunities to expand there and get their first start uh, working within a magazine. Now is that difficult to find the right team? Absolutely. You know, um again, being a startup, there's it's it's a lot of work and you gotta build that trust with people. Um I think that's where I'm at. It's just kind of like letting them know that I'm here as a resource. And uh, a good thing Georgia say I have a great relationship with Georgia State. I was a part of the incubator here and I kind of um partnered with the journalism department, the film department to offer college credit. So a lot, of my, um, a lot of my interns and a lot of people I'm working with are actually peers and uh, people I share a, a college educational background with.
1: So now in the media world, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing regarding for most me- traditional media like this is um, kind of the audience and then the advertisers. How, how are you kind of monetizing this and building a, a, a financial model around
2: it? Yeah, so I'm so glad you asked that. We actually are now um, in works. We have one paying um, advertiser in addition to um, uh, partnering with like share sale and um, user-generated ads just available to publications where we apply for. But we do have um, paid advertisers right now and another one in the works. So I'm hoping to seal that deal this week.
1: So now your vision for the the, uh, publication is what? exactly like is it like that you mentioned Jamaica earlier is mm-hmm. it kind of have Jamaica yeah. America yes. world view of the kind of artists that you're celebrating
2: yeah so Atlanta is our home so we revel in finding you know those those creatives here but we definitely have a strong interest um, through just tracking our um, our users online we have a very good relationship with Jamaica in the UK so my, my initially I'm going to plan I'm um, plan to just maximize what I have here and then reach out into the islands and maybe do a spinoff there, maybe do something internationally that can kind of like tie it all in together.
1: And then so the ultimate, though, is to have a print publication. Do you have a date that you're aiming for to have the first one published?
2: We're aiming for um, fall, winter 2020. It's a stretch and it's kind of hard, but... I think if we keep our boots on the ground right now, build that audience, we're doing really, really well with customer discovery and just hitting people from all areas, physically, um, in person experiences, um, online advertising, all that. So I think if we keep on that track and we keep producing that content and growing our audience organically, we'll probably be ready for to meet that deadline. So
1: now if you were to work backwards
2: and say, okay, we
1: want to publish in fall of 2020, what are the steps you have to do in order for that to occur? What are the milestones you have to hit in order for that to become possible?
2: For that to become possible, we need to be able to cover our printing costs. So in order to do that, we need to build a relationship with advertisers which is why we're focusing on starting off with the online ads so that we can produce results for them that way so they can be able to trust us to go into print with their with their work and be able to build circulation with us from the onset um and I think if we keep reaching out and building our team growing our team uh, with a diverse um ta- diverse talents all over the country we have writers in Miami in New York and here and even in Jamaica so if we're bringing in all these different voices and all of these different people into our fold, I really do believe we'll be able to execute that editorial calendar well.
1: So now, because you are dealing with somewhat in the arts and fashion and things like that, is there kind of a monetization around kind of selling some of the stuff that's being profiled in the thing? And is there revenue streams that can come of that?
2: Yeah. So one of the things is a lot of our creatives, they have products that they sell anyway. So even if I'm featuring a visual artist, they may have prints that they sell. So we're developing an e-commerce aspect to where we can partner with them post-content to do like special edition prints or special edition t-shirts or garments that reflect taking the content and making it something more of an experience for our readers.
1: So now I'm sure you're aware that
2: like Amazon
1: is doing a partnership with uh, a fashion show with Heidi Klum and mm-hmm. Tim Gunn that that they're going to spotlight the fashion and then the fashion will be on sale on Amazon. Is mm-hmm. there something that can be a hybrid? Is kind of an evolution of. The publication where it's yes. almost in partnership with the content.
2: Exactly. And if you look at if you're into fashion, you kind of see those models are kind of where it's going right now. They're trying to figure out a way to leverage their presence through media and also giving people um, that post media or post uh, post experience. Um, carrying that over through products, making them specialty or designer collaborations or collaborations between um, photographers and publications. So it's just about finding out unique ways for people to experience the content and and find products that actually speak to what they're consuming. Is it going to evolve into events as well? Definitely. We actually did a lot of events this summer. Um, Our activations went really, really well. So that's how we're Locally building our audience through customer discoveries, through activations, so that it becomes more than
1: a print magazine. Absolutely, is that how you see media evolving? Where it isn't just uh, the place where content lives; it's also a gathering place for this type, the kind of the spirit around it, not just the kind of the words on the page.
2: Absolutely. If you look at some of the things why a lot of major publications have faltered, it's because it become too static. You know, there's no way to translate what I'm consuming online into my real. Life. Even if I'm am, am obsessed with a designer, um, they may not have the price point that I want, but if they partner with a Quaint Revolt or a smaller publication to do like a specialty run uh, 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 collection, those things relate di- directly to their audience and it keeps people in their fold, whether or not they may not have been. Uh, fans before they may have been a target audience before. So it's just about leveraging um, the different. It's all about mixing high and low right now. It's never just about sticking to what's what's standard in media. And that is why a lot of publications are, are fusing. If you look at Refinery29, all of it is about um, experiences, taking the content and giving people experiences of that in real life
1: so now um how did you kind of come up with this what was kind of the genesis of the idea to move into first a blog and and then into print have you always been involved in this kind of creative endeavors
2: yeah so i literally quaint revolt developed alongside my career and while i was in school so i was testing my hand i worked in um, specialty retail i worked in niche market retail i worked in um, publications that have a niche market or a smaller audience and for me it was stretching my wings but i realized that it was just not enough, there was something else missing, or it was a little too lifestyle or too, you know, too general, people want something a little bit more tailored and focused. And I decided to use my experience just as trial and error to figure out if I could be able to create something that I was looking for. And I've, I've, I think I've gotten a good response in that regard. It's there, but people wanted to take, want to take it a little bit further. So now, how did you know you were on the right track? Uh, I think I knew I was on the right track, honestly, even though I've been doing it for a few years when I went when I went for uh, went through the Main Street program. And actually, I've never pitched. I've never done anything like that before. And to get any type of validation from seasoned entrepreneurs, people who don't even have a background in a creative field, but they see the value in what I'm trying to create, and that really just changed the game for me. So from there, I put myself in other entrepreneurship spaces and membership clubs, and the reception has been really, really good. And it's not that I'm waiting for validation to, you know, go through with my idea, but it does feel good to know that someone doesn't even have to be abreast or involved in what you're doing to see the value in it. So for me, that was a game changer. And what do you need more of right now? I need more marketing. I need way more marketing and we're we're producing the content. We're getting the content flowing, but I think marketing, um, our website is great. We get a lot of good feedback on that, but a lot more people need to be able to see it
1: and then um, how has GSU helped you?
2: Oh my gosh. So I am not from a um, business background and entrepreneurship background at all. I'm a true blue creative. I literally learned everything about being a businesswoman, learning my business, um, learning about business in general, but also just specifically about publishing and media and my rights and I learned that through being a member of Launch GSU and through Launch GSU, I was able to do demos and meet other creatives. And like right now, I'm working my, I host my team meetings still there. Um, and then I was able to get into the Main Street Entrepreneurship, um, seed fund program and actually won. So yeah, Georgia State gave me the foundation, um, for my career in terms of my education, but it also gave me the foundation, um, as an entrepreneur.
1: Now, are you self-funded, or are, do you have investors?
2: No investors as of yet. Um, I I would love to hone hone the business model, actually generate a significant amount of money on our own before we can even qualify for any investment. Yeah. Now, um, what's the
1: most rewarding part for you?
2: Ooh, the most rewarding part for me is just being able to do it. This thing has been in ideation since 2014. You know, I've been working on it, honing it for so long and I feel like now is the time that it's finally synthesizing and falling into place and I actually have some type of a foundation and just to see the slow steps you know knocking things off that have been on my on my list forever just being able to tick those things off even having a team just having a team everything on that website up until this year was written edited by me like designed by me and now I have others input to to go off of you know it's that to me is, is enough just being able to see the progress
1: now if somebody wanted to see your work or to get involved and become part of your community what's the best way to do that is our website or social media
2: For sure. So our website is www.qrmedia.co.com. That's qrmedia.co. And we're online on social media everywhere at Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-V-O-L-T. That's Quaint Revolt. And that's on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook at Quaint Revolt, as well as LinkedIn.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, stay with us. We got a couple more entrepreneurs we're going to visit with, okay? All right. Next up, we have with us, Lee, the CEO and CTO. These two gentlemen are the co-founders with Observe, Lawrence Chen and Nishant Sinha. Sinha. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Well, we are delighted to have you. Looking forward to learning all about Observe. But before I do, what did you learn, if anything, from that last segment?
3: Media is a very powerful tool. Very <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so very- tell,
1: tell us about Observe. How are you serving, folks?
3: Um, so observe. It started from a personal problem. We're all students, and at the end of the day, we're all students till the day we die. Um, but um, it started when I got into when I got into college. I realized a lot of students were very uncertain with what they're pursuing. They're almost pers- they were pursuing their careers blindly. To say they were testing and checking if each major fit for their personality. And what I learned is they would switch a major, and that costs a lot of time and money over time. Um, but what we're doing is we're putting a um, We're bridging the gap for student uncertainty, bridging with professionals, allowing students to see what it's like to be a professional in their work culture and work environment. So So what's an example of that? um, So you could see it as a social growth network. Students will be able able to ask professionals questions. And with um, the questions, professionals can record themselves answering the questions. So an example is, say, a student wants to see what it's like to be um, a radio interviewer. Um, the, The professional the student would ask the question, what does it look like to be a radio interviewer? And the professional would literally show his um, day as a radio interviewer. Um, so how, what would ta- he,
1: how would that occur? So like, say you wanted to know about what I'm doing right now. So how, so I'm just going to tell you, they're going to call me up um, and it, I'll go, Hey, this is what it's like.
3: It's a social growth <laughs> network, but the content is powered through questions and curiosity. So the platform is providing um, professionals and students with curiosity tools. So, Students will be able to go into the platform and literally type a question that they want answered like Quora, but the professional will record like a Snapchat style video showing what it is like to be in their job position. So think about, um, say, a biochemist and students really have no idea what a biochemist is. Right. Yep. Um, Students will be able to ask, can you show me, say, your desk and what it looks like? And the professional will take out their phone and show what their desk looks like in their work environment. They can even go further into processes and concepts and theories.
1: But so the what's in it for the... The biochemist?
3: Um, it's personal branding. It's incentive. It's um, it's It shows work culture. It helps build their... Um, so they're going to do it kind of altruistically to help
1: um, a young person kind of get an idea of if this is the right fit for them?
3: Yes, essentially. They already do it on Instagram. They do it on YouTube, Google. There's a lot of videos that are trending now. They're called Day in the Life of Blank Professionals. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it shows, prof- professionals basically just show what they do throughout their day.
0: Okay, but okay, I get that. Yes, it's, it's altruistic, but it's also, I mean, that's content marketing too, right? That's, that's um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, thought leadership, thought, yeah. right? Yeah? Yes.
3: Yeah. It helps someone build their expertise in their field as well as, so people create LinkedIn profiles just to solidify that they're professional in life now, but now they can actually show what they do in life compared to the more so achievement side of things.
1: So now a lot of people, and I see a lot of young people, they have these dreams as a kid. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer whatever. And they have no idea what that day to day life is. Right. So then they're going through life as if that's so, and they're going to be a doctor and they're going to the major and they start out and they're pre-med and they're like, wow, biology is hard. And this is harder than I thought. And then when it's time to be a doctor, they're like, I hate being a doctor. I didn't realize I had a you know, talk to people every day or, and, uh, there's a lot of responsibility <laughs> or like whatever the reason is That's just not what they thought that the TV show they watched when they were eight was the one or their parents made them do it. So then there's a huge disconnect. So I can see the total need for doing this. I'm just unclear of how it, this is done in kind of
3: in a mass way, not in one-on-one way, right? It'd be a one to many. So whoever tunes in, um, You could look at it from a standpoint, like, yes, the professional answers the questions, but so many, it's a one to many ratio in terms of how many students can see what the professional is teaching. Right. Yep. So it is a mass way. So then it's, um,
1: ultimately, like, if you want to do something, shouldn't you just call up one of these people and say, let me follow you around?
3: It's not as accessible. (laughs) Um, This would be a centralized source of insight, literally for professional insight and career understanding and um, job opportunities.
1: Now, how does the money work? Is it, does the student pay to kind of get this information? Like how, does, how, does, how do you monetize this?
3: Um, we've been using it through data and, um, data and ad, ad generation from the long-term perspective. But from the shorter-term perspective, we'd probably approach a subscription basis with school systems, university systems, allowing students to actually just um, access to the platform. Mm-hmm.
1: And then what stage are you at right now? Um, Right now we're in beta and prototype. So you have a working model right now? There's people that have asked questions and there's professionals that have done day-in-the-life videos?
3: Um, There are professionals. There's validation through YouTube and Instagram. You can find a lot of professionals. Um, People actually go on to say Snapchat to see what a surgeon does. But the problem with Snapchat, it's a lot more private, and you have to add them personally. Um, Through Observe, you can actually explore and find professionals.
1: Now, the are you right now just curating these day in the life videos as the kind of how to do the thing, or are you looking for uh, once I get on the observed platform, then I'm going to find another observed
3: person who has shared this day in the life. So it stays within your platform. So right now our platform is still in development, but we have been approaching it from a more um, MVP standpoint. We've been testing and seeing it done on Snapchat as I shared already, Instagram, um, Google. And then we also, um, have professionals share, like we have, um, mock who we have professionals, um, mock mock, um, content. So oh. I actually tested it on Snapchat myself, every single internship and job I had I actually went onto Snapchat and showed what I did. And I learned that there was a curve in terms of people wanted to see more of my job description and duties. They actually thought it was interesting. Say example, I was an it at Georgia state university and I was changing projector bulbs and I'll do the step-by-step process on how to change a projector bulb. But the fact that um, people gained a lot of knowledge from that, they were able to take away how to change a projector bulb after that. So um, I test. I did my own testing. And on Instagram, I do an active amount of testing in terms of what the Observe MVP would be. If you go to my Instagram, um, I utilize it as what Observe would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then what do you need more of right now?
3: Um, right now, honestly, we need to do more professional um, customer discovery. So trying to cater we're trying to cater to what the professionals need the most and because they are the ones who empower and empower the platform with content and so we just need to be able to figure out how to provide the best tools so professionals can provide the best content.
1: And then um, do you leave it up to the professional to decide how they're going to kind of share this information? Or do you say, okay, in order, the best things work like this, here's a four steps you have to do in order to kind of give me back the content I need for my people. So they get a kind of a 360 view of what your workday is like or
3: your work. So initially starting onboarding, we'd provide the professionals a set of questions so they can answer as a growth hack, just like Twitter requires people to follow, say, 20 people when you start a Twitter. Right. And then moving in, um, from there, we actually just have the, qu- um, professionals, they can actually create content any way they want because to, in today's world, well, always, everyone's a different type of learner. Some people learn through visual. Some people learn through audio. Some people learn through text. But, but professionals be able to choose how they want to record and we'll leave it up to them to what questions they answer, just like Quora.
1: And then, so it's, it's kind of a version of Quora that is it's targeted to this kind of the young person that isn't clear of what they want their future to
3: be? Yeah, you can see it like that. You can see it like a core mix with LinkedIn and Instagram. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, so what's the vision? How does the story end?
3: Um, a happier, stronger workforce, less anxiety and depression. Um, there's a direct correlation between life and life and work happiness. The happier you are at work, the happier you are in life. They're almost parallel to some degree, if you want to consider it like that. Um, but what we're trying to do is provide people, more certainty when choosing their careers so they can have happier, more fulfilled lives.
1: Now, in your own personal life, do you know of a lot of people who thought they were on one path and then they ended up not happy with their choices?
3: That's where it all stemmed from. It's just It made it gave me, honestly, anxiety to just see the amount of friends switching their majors. Um, there's actually stis- um, statistics that 75% of students change their major at least once before college. And each, each additional semester is a $10,000 additional cost.
1: And, um, so what's the, the, the cost of money is one thing, but it's also kind of the emotional cost. have you seen any of that play out regarding some of the stress that they're under or maybe financial pressure after they graduate?
3: I, th- I think every student in this room can um, vouch for me that they witness so many students going through emotional trauma and stress because they're not sure on their career. And once they actually get into their career, this they it still continues and now, they're kind of stuck in, in a boat
1: where, um, uh, where do you see the parents playing into this? Cause some parents kind of encourage a certain direction in life for the young person. And then the young person feels an obligation because the parents writing the check or
3: kind of backing them. That's what I hope to change. Um, one of the big problems is forced biasy based on like parents want students, um, their kids to pursue a career for the prestige or the money, but they don't realize it really takes a specific type of personality and fit to actually enjoy the job long enough to stay in it. Um, there's not enough people who are passionate about their careers in today's world. There's actually a 13% of statistics show. There's only 13% of professionals who actually have a love relationship with their job.
1: So now is there going to be a place on this platform for the parent?
3: I actually, I mean, the parent is technically a professional if you consider it. And then they're also right, a but uh,
1: from a parent and education and understanding and a little more empathy from to help them help their child become more, choose the right thing rather than the,
3: the expected thing. I think a child's interest is more so based on their own decisions. So I'd like to disconnect the parent and I'll let the child or the student literally explore on their own. That's what um, you'd like interest. to happen, but in real life, do you see that happening? Um, we have control of like how mm-hmm. the app moves toward, I guess. So uh-huh. we'd cater it so that prof- um, parents don't force us upon their um, right. The kids. Right, because
1: that takes some education, because culturally a lot of
3: cultures are encouraging children to go in a certain direction. Right. Um, but I think just from natural interest and um, the thirst for knowledge for students and self-awareness, Observe will be um, a... Incentive and actually an interest point because students want to figure out how to pursue their lives. So now, how does the student
1: uh, become aware of Observe right now?
3: Um, currently, we are doing marketing on social media. We're also great. we're about to create commercials and ads, and we're um, our main focus. And I think it's going to be a lot of growth hacking. So features that we're going to implement into the platform, as well as just word of mouth and natural interest.
1: And uh, is this being self-funded right now, or how, how um currently are you your
3: funding? It's being self-funded, yes. And also we um, are being funded by Georgia State through their Main Street Seed Fund program.
1: So you were able to kind of leverage that? You applied for that and were able to, yes. to get that kind of helping you out, getting that going? Yes, definitely. How did that help?
3: Um, it's helping in the aspect it helps with operations, legalities, uh, marketing efforts, as well as development.
1: And has Georgia State been a good resource for you outside of the Seed Fund?
3: They've been an amazing resource. Um, their entrepreneurship institute as well as the Robinson business college CMI across the board Georgia state's a great um, supporter
1: and uh, if somebody wanted to connect with you and get on the platform and learn more uh, can they sign up as their waitlist right now or they beta testers or how can they get involved
3: um, you can sign up to be a beta tester and also become an email subscription um, join our email subscription list at getobserved.com. and so that's getobserved.com.
1: And then on the different social media channels, what's our, the best way? Our to Instagram
3: connect? is get observe, so and then our Twitter is get observe, and our Facebook is get observe as well. So across the board, just get observe.
1: Good stuff. Well, congratulations on all your success. Uh, thank you, and uh, thank you so much for sharing your story,
3: both of you. Thank you. Thank you. So, sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, that's a wrap for our day here at GSUENI. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you next time on GSU ENI Radio.